Hello and welcome to The Sacred. My name is Elizabeth Oldfield and this is a podcast about how we talk to people who are different from us and how understanding the things that we and others hold sacred might help us do that better. In this episode, you'll hear me talking to Neil Griffiths. Neil is a British novelist and the founder of the Republic of Consciousness Prize for Small Presses. He was the winner of the Authors Club First Novel Award and has been shortlisted for Best Novel in the Costa Book Awards. His most recent novel is As a God Might Be, which follows the journey of Proctor McCulloch. Mac, as he's known, is a middle-class, rational, highly educated metropolitan man with a young family who begins to have encounters with God. It's the first mainstream novel I've seen in a while to engage seriously with theological themes, and it's refreshing to read about a community traditionally hostile to religion adapting to asking big questions. I'm halfway through and really loving it. I spoke to Neil about the book, about some of the autobiographical influences and about what role the arts might play in building empathy across difference. Thank you so much for coming in to speak to me at the Theos office. Now, I'm going to ask you that naughty question that I'm asking everyone often provokes a lot of thought. What do you hold sacred? Well, I've given this a lot of thought because I'm aware that you've asked this question before on your podcast. Um, The default answer would probably be love in the same way as Francis Spufford defined love. But actually, I, I I think it's actually forgiveness. Because forgiveness interrupts, in a way, the world that I think love doesn't. And if one looks through, essentially, um, a a lot of uh, scripture, moments of forgiveness are, are key to how the world changes. And therefore, if we can see or experience ourselves as being able to forgive, I think we are align somehow with what our expectations of God might be. And so I feel that, I also feel it's it's much harder than we think it is. Um, yeah. and, um, and therefore, and also I think, I also think forgiveness resonates through time in a way that nothing else quite does. Um, so... In a sense, uh, yeah that that would be that would be my that would be my incomplete answer. It's interesting looking at the tenor of our public conversations. One of the things this podcast is interested in is how we talk to each other in public. How lacking forgiveness is. We're seeing a huge amount of people um, being pilloried or shamed or uh, you know rightfully criticised sometimes for things that have happened a very long time in the past. There doesn't seem to be a sense in which change is allowed or forgiveness can be proffered to those in public life yes i mean that uh, yeah i think that's true i think that um i mean i think we've almost got so far from any uh uh, natural positive interaction that we're actually we're actually defaulting to to you know you're right to um shame ridicule mockery um that the idea of you know love and forgiveness seems to be and often can be regarded as weakness, whereas actually as I mean, I, uh, I, that's where that's where strength lies because the direction of the conversation changes. 
Um, and it means that someone has had to, someone has had to have the strength to forgive. Someone has to accept that forgiveness. And in that action dynamic, there is a new space after that point. Um, and so, actually, it takes an enormous amount of courage on both sides to create new spaces because who's comfortable with new spaces you know we're much more comfortable with our own rhetoric that is you know that we've rationalized that we make sense of um we believe is right so the idea of opening up something where we are maybe are unsure Mm. that's a that's a radical stance these days and deeply unsettling, Francis Bufford, one of my earlier podcasts, talked about how the moment for him of deep failure, deep personal failure, of needing forgiveness was a real turning point for him in terms of an, an openness towards the possibility of religious faith. So has forgiveness been... Uh, uh, tell me about your personal journey with forgiveness. Um, is it, uh, um, I mean, somebody, I think something did, something did happen to me. I mean, actually on a very minor level, but it was something I didn't feel... If it had, if it did happen, I would ever be able to get over. And I, I remember it happening, and 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 feeling that. I mean, actually, and this might sound like a contradiction. Actually, feeling that that the a person had essentially betrayed me. Um, that I actually felt that it, it that it wasn't my place to blame. So, it, in a sense, it wasn't quite forgiveness, but it wasn't my place to. Um, uh, make a judgment about their behaviour, um, and and in a sense, with that came came forgiveness. And I don't think that in actually is particularly a turning point um, in my life. I mean, actually, you know, my turning points, which I, I've written about, are, are, are sort of much more kind of vague or hazy. Um, but it's certainly. Uh, and then maybe it, it isn't. I mean, I, I often talk about uh, Marilyn Robinson's Gilead, which a lot of people talk about, and and the character of John Ames. Um, and what I, I was thinking the other day about the, the extraordinary literary gift that Marilyn Robinson has, has given to us has made has has she has created um, fiction of goodness and kindness. And people always have always said that actually great drama and great fiction is we always actually engage with the bad people we engage with you know it's the dynamism of 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 almost of evil that we we watch you know we're compelled by but actually marilyn robinson has created a fiction of goodness gentleness and kindness and has made it deeply compelling even for you know for 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 atheists i mean you know my, my most profound atheist friend um, friend thinks she's the you know the greatest living writer. There was a famous review in the New York Times with a guy saying you know Marilyn Robinson makes me want to believe in God. Yeah. And I th- and I think she was too. But for me it was it was it was it was I, I you know I I I felt I was measuring myself. I felt I had to measure myself against John Ames, and I found myself lacking. And in finding myself lacking, I had to work out what what that meant. And you know, in a, in a in a in a very important moment, I suddenly realised that that I was I was lacking, and I couldn't find just within myself um, to make up the lack, and that required what I often said is a sort of you know a the excess of love that God has on offer that you can petition for that. And and therefore be more loving and and so the, and 
and that I suppose that is the that, so that's why I would say my default answer would, would have been love. But actually, I think in a in a sense that's a that's a personal um, relationship. Um, actually, to make the relationship public, I think forgiveness is almost the kind of ultimate act of loving. Um, loving in in a kind of golden rule sense of loving. Yes, I want to come back to that because you've talked about it as a, at least in in some way some form of conversion experience. But I'd love to go wind back to the beginning of the story and hear a bit about the spiritual or religious or philosophical background of your childhood. What was in the air as you were growing up? Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. I come from a working class um, South London family. Uh, um, the you know uh, the church was there at Christmas, probably not even Easter. Um, uh, my both, I mean, my my mother has a kind of residual Scottish Calvinism about her. She, Is that more temperament than theology? Yeah. But would a- absolutely declares herself as an atheist. My father is is is, uh, is an interesting. Uh, uh, man, in the sense that, from what I understand from his from his uh, from his his third wife, um, that when he was young, he he actually did join a church, um, and um, and uh, 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 the boys part of the boys' brigade. It was a uh, and, and 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 believed and wanted to believe, but then he had a terrible accident in his late late 20s uh and his his wife and child were killed so he was widowed at 27 and interestingly enough uh, it's been he you know he's from that point on he's he's basically said he has never he says god doesn't exist because god would never have done that and he if god exists he will never forgive god for doing that um and he, but he then did once he uh, 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 he then went and married a very devout Catholic um, after my mother, um, and occasionally, you know, I mean, she's very devout, um, and and would ha- would be involved with the church in the sense that you know he would know the the priest and and whatever, but would always claim categorically to be an atheist. But actually, that's got in a sense none none of that was you know I didn't even know any of this when I was growing up. But no, I had. I had no, you, you know, I mean, I think, we, you know, we said the Lord's Prayer because it was a primary school in the 1970s. And quite frankly, I never knew what, it, I never understood what it meant. Um, so I, I, and I, you know, my, I read, I, I started to read Dostoevsky very early. I, I, I was given Crime and Punishment about the age of 14 by my teacher. Um, but actually, it was not the Dostoevsky of, of, of Christianity that, um, that, um, that uh, compelled me. It was the, it was more the kind of existential um, areas of Dostoevsky. So for a lot of my life, I was I was almost a kind of uh, a classic existentialist atheist in a kind of Nietzschean yeah. or yeah, um, um, you know we, we you know we absolutely have to take sole responsibility for ourselves. We define ourselves by our actions. Have you come across Jordan Peterson? I have, and I've, I it's extraordinary. I I I watched the I watched the the, the now infamous interview. And um, and then I started watching a lot on YouTube, and I just made a YouTube video because I have a YouTube channel talking about books on Jordan Peterson, um, because I've been inter- I'm interested in how he's been represented, represented, and and who he stands for, and what he says he stands for, because he's he's a very complex and fascinating man. Um, I usually get about six hundred views on my very minor YouTube channel um, in about five days. I have had six thousand. 
Yes. He uh, does have a dedicated army yeah. of followers. Yeah. But these have been very kindly. Um, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't particularly critical about him. I was saying, you know, I was, I was trying, I was, I called it, de- as a joke, I called it deconstructing Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Um, but I'm very, I, I'm very, I, I'm very interested in his what I kind of call his kind of Augustinian view of life, of life of in, you know, the, you know, the imperfectibility, the suffering, the fact that it, you know. Um, I mentioned him because lots of Christians are well, the more conservative leaning Christians, particularly in the states, are quite excited about him because he is using the G bomb. You know, he's talking about yeah. God, and he and he he obviously defends more socially conservative positions on things like gender. But I, I. He, he talks about being a cultural Christian, which always slightly raises my hackles. And I see much more of a Nietzschean, um, certainly in that rugged individualism yeah, that yeah. comes through that I think uh, often gets conflated with Christianity and probably shouldn't. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, I think that's true. And I mean, I think I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a holding position at the moment, a holding pattern of belief that, that I mean, there's, there's, there's I mean, I, 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 as I said, I don't know. I wouldn't know how to self-identify, really, apart from as a, as as not an atheist. Yeah. Would you have called yourself an atheist at other points in your life? Yes. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. what happened between reading Dostoevsky as a fourteen-year-old and this encounter um, with John Ames in Gilead? Uh, I think I, I, I think it's part. There was also there was also Rowan Williams becoming Archbishop. I suddenly recognised a way of talking about the world that was my language and therefore I felt a kind of kinship with someone I got I was very excited um uh I mean you know he he you know he clearly reads I mean he's another deep Dostoevsky fan but I remember you know listening to him and thinking uh, I'm he's making sense to me you know his, his 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 language use is is making sense to me um and therefore I could you know, I could investigate. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know what happened. I, I, as I, I think I've said, I, I just, you know, the, the, the dial in me started to flicker. And uh, I think it might have been uh, Rowan Williams came before, Marilyn Robinson came before the, the death of a, of, of a friend of mine at, at an early age at, at 39. And, and she had a humanist funeral in North London. And I, I was travelling back on the bus that they laid on to the, and um, and I was sitting on a bus on Holloway Road, and the sun was shining in, and it was hot, and she'd been buried in this, it was, it was a big big cemetery in North London, and she'd been buried sort of on the side of a path that looked just like a kind of piece of you know rural land, and and um, and I just had a an experience of 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 death not being. Um, and I, 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 I mean, she, she left a, you know, she left a, a, a one-year-old child when, you know, when she died, and I had young children at the time. And quite a lot of my fears, death leaving your children behind, she'd kind of gone through all of that, and I'd felt, but I felt some kind of peace, at peace with myself, or that she was at peace, or that, or that, or that, that I was, I'd misunderstood. Death as a as a as a fight as, as as a limit to the you know the world, and so I all of these things. I mean, all of these things, and as I, I, none of none of these things are particularly Christian. Although obviously, Rome Williams 
animals are that they aren't one's about language one's about love one's about death the three ultimate things possibly yeah. <laughs> yeah and and you know i could argue i mean i you know i could i could i could probably one thing i could agree with richard dawkins about is maybe i'm a cultural anglican and when all of these things twitch where am i going what lang- you know what broader language am i going to use uh, other than one of 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 the kind of you know Christian you know, Christian language you know Christian the language of Christians and the language of of, of St Paul and the language what well, all of those that's going to be my default language but I want to I want to navigate it extremely carefully. We're going to take a quick break to have a catch up with the Theos team. I'm here with Nathan Ladin in the Theos office. Nathan has been working on a project about debt. Tell me about it. Hi, Liz. So, yes, I am leading on a project on debt, which is run in partnership with the St. Paul's Institute. The project's called Forgive Us Our Debts, which obviously comes from um, the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament. The King James Version. That's correct. So you might be wondering, why are we doing a project on debt? You know, we're supposed to be the religion and society think tank, the Christian think tank. Why Why debt? Debt is one of the most pressing, complex issues of our age. In the UK in particular, things are pretty dire at the moment. Uh, personal and household debt is very, very high. Uh, is at levels unseen since the financial crisis, around 240 billion of credit card debt, loans and overdrafts. There are people really struggling with debt. Three million, in fact, are in persistent credit card debt uh, with an average of £14,000. £14,000 as an average? That's the average. And in terms of government debt, things are no better. Um we are at we're borrowing at wartime levels. The debt to GDP ratio is now ninety percent. Now, of course, yeah, that's the situation across the globe, but UK is particularly problematic with such a high level of of debt. So, just this situation alone would warrant at least kind of an, an interested uh, response from us to look into this. But I think the reason why we're doing it is because the Christian scriptures and the Christian tradition have a lot to say. On debt. In fact, the whole language of, of Scripture is steeped in the language of finance and, and debt, forgiveness, redemption, giving an account, even, even belief uh, means uh, to credit someone. So the language, uh, the financial language is actually woven through uh, the Scriptures and uh, the Old Testament in particular have a lot of detailed legislation uh, on on borrowing and lending, on interest rates, uh, who could you charge interest uh, to, and and all the rest of it. That stuff was written in an ancient Near Eastern society, right? The possibility of it being applicable to a globalized, fast moving, fintech steeped uh, financial center down the road from us in London seems unlikely. There's a huge chasm between that world and our world, but what we're trying to do is move the conversation around debt from looking at debt as simply um, an entity that has nothing to do with, with relationships, with the way we order our, uh, our lives together in common, with, uh, with questions of right and wrong sort of floating in, in, the, in the air, to a much more 
morally rich and relationally sensitive conversation about debt, which is ultimately about relationships and how we we promise things to one another and how we think about the future and the 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 ethical basis of those things. So we're trying to enrich that conversation and, and move things along so that people who are borrowing, uh, people who are lending, can be attuned to the fact that we exist in relationships and there is something to be said about the way we engage in these economic relations, aware of these moral and um, relational questions. What you're saying is it's not just a practical uh, economic tr- um, question of what money's in what account. There's some big ideas there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in terms of outcomes, uh, we just, we, we don't simply want to uh, have deeper, better, richer conversations, but we also hope to make some kind of, uh, of, of change uh, possible and obviously alleviate uh, this persistent, debilitating uh, forms of, of debt while appreciating that, you know, not all debt is the same. Debt is, is a complex issue, but the kinds of debt that um, are known about and, and end up in the media are debts that really cripple individuals and break families. So those are the things that we're particularly concerned about. And when will people be able to read the outcomes of this project? We'll probably have something out by the end of the year and we'll have uh, some events culminating with uh, with a main event at the cathedral, at St. Paul's Cathedral, next year in 2019. So let's come on to the book a little bit. And I'm um, halfway through, so no spoilers, please. And uh, very much enjoying it. And what's really struck me is this central character having something of a conversion experience, an encounter with God, um, having his previous categories busted open um, amongst a group of people, a very uh, default atheist, liberal, wealthy, highly educated, kind of, you know, tabloid shorthand of the metropolitan intelligentsia group of people and their deep discomfort with that. But also how many of them are sort of slightly intrigued, definitely unsettled by it. Has that been true in your own life? Yes, yeah. I mean, I, it, it's been, I mean, it's, it's, in a sense, it exactly reflects the, the when I, I was, when, when people say, you know, what are you working on? I say, I'm working on a novel about a man who has an authentic encounter with God. That statement itself is is freighted with complexity i mean a encounter and then you append authentic it's what what are you saying and in a sense you know i've been brought up like you know much of my peers in in on you know, 20th century thinking which is you know either um so we've got you know you've got freud or jung who will use certain psychological analytic tools to look at those kinds of experiences and then there are, you know, there are, there are, there are philosophers, you know, one talk, some talking about language as essentially being, um, you know, just descriptions of the world. Others saying that if, if you can't make sense of a sentence, it's because you can't sort out its truth claim and you can't make a truth claim about something that you can't, you know, um, you can't falsify, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's, in a sense, that's my kind of cultural inheritance. And I think most people who went through university in the, you know, the latter half of the 20th century would have that similar set yeah. of reference points. Um, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask the question: If someone claims an authentic experience with God, 
is it is there any is there any way through to let's say it's true let's just let's just throw into the pot it's true so we what do we what do we then do with that how cuz you can't say it you can't make a persuasive case all you can keep saying is it's true because uh, everyone's going to go yes you think it's true but it's about something else or and, we, and you, you just go into a uh, feedback loop my husband calls them just so stories yeah and so i so what i was interested in um and i think the novel is ultimately about is that you can't because you can't make a persuadable case that the 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 truth might be true what are you left with and and uh, 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 you often you i mean you know Wittgenstein would say you're pretty much left with silence um and that's that's not a, that's not a bad place to end up but it's not a very useful place in the sense that no one no one really engages with the i mean there's, there's quite a lot maybe slightly later in the novel about the mystical tradition and how you know it's all very well and good going into the desert and into silence and into a kind of deep relationship but there is a there is a wider world with suffering and difficulty and silence is not much use to that and so if silence doesn't work and you then can't do anything with language where are we i think the um those twin threads towards kind of the solitude and the internal but also out to others and into the community is very integral to most yeah. uh, people's experience of religion and when you try and only do one things yeah. get a bit lopsided um we talk a lot here about uh, how our debates about belief and unbelief um, tend to the rational or at least a te- an attempt to kind of club each other with arguments, which is, you know, not unique to that particular debate, when actually these things are very personal, very emotive. Um, and we wonder a lot about how you can have a more authentically human engagement on them. And one sphere there um, with lots of potential is the arts. Have you found. Um, people reacting to your book uh, are finding it easier to talk about the concept of God within the setting of a novel, or has there been hostility? No, I, I mean, I, I was expecting hostility from both ends in the sense I was expecting the sort of secular press to, to, to sort of go, um, this is, you know, we've, we've done, this is done and dusted. Yeah. Um, we've, we've sorted this out, you're too late. Um, and, then, and actually, I thought the faith press would be slightly tougher on the fact that I'm, I'm m- perhaps more sceptical um, or I, I don't align myself particularly um, with any faith, and therefore I'm. It's it's there are there are blasphemies in the, you know in the broadest sense in in the book. Um, uh, what I have felt is that um, there are people out there who I think that want to engage with these issues. Uh, they're not going to go to conferences and they're not going to read nonfiction about th- about these things um, and they're not uh, they're, they're not interested in, in soundbites so so they're so the access point for them is the arts or um, or storytelling um, probably more, is more accurate um, so yes I think it's it has it it's I mean it's only been it was only published in late November so I haven't I mean I had a great deal of I suppose I, I, I I mean, the, the review in the in the literary review um, uh, said um, actually described said my book had has had made 
theology urgent, hip, and even sexy. Well, I mean, you know, I couldn't, I, I couldn't have paid for that quote because actually, in a sense, that's part of what I wanted to do. I want, you know, if if the metropolitan elite lack theological sophistication, and they do, but they still want to pass judgment, then if 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 one can make these things urgent, <laughs> hip, and sexy, that's got to be a good thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 so I, I feel that the, the, the conversations I have mean that, that, that I still, it, as I said, it, people are still defaulting to shorthand. This is a book about religion. It isn't, you know, or, um, this is a Christian book. It isn't. It is trying somehow to broaden the conversation about what a, what an what a encounter with God might feel like prior to the accretion of of language, and well, if I'm going to talk about it, so what happens the moment you say I think moment you someone says well what was what 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 does that mean you 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 will you will start using language that has been appropriated by various religions, and then the conversation has just been hijacked, yeah. um, and so. But I think I, th- I do think people who don't necessarily want to self-identify as part of a particular religion have have welcomed the novel's broader discussion of of without just without really just kind of almost moving to to, to um, spirituality on a kind of meaningless level. I mean, it, it you know it it uses the word God and it and it and it, and it makes it it's very clear. That God, whatever that means, is 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 present. Yes, it is not just a kind of meaningless spirituality. Which is what's so refreshing for me, because I think because the concept of God is so um, mind bending, hope building, but also threatening for lots of us. And particularly, you've mentioned a moment of suffering in your father's life that led to him losing their faith. That happens to a lot of people. That actually there is a pain and a grief around an event bound up in how we think about God and a loving God, uh, which means we're triggered when we talk about God. And therefore we try and uh, reduce conversations about religion and spirituality to practice, to communities, to social capital, all of which are fine and good things. But I find myself in very many settings going, this, we are skirting the big stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah, we are yeah. skirting the central question of, of these things. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to come to a definitive answer, but we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't avoid that big, hard thing at the heart of it. So I found it very refreshing. You've been thrust into these conversations about religion and non-religion, belief and non-belief through this book, I, I think probably more fully than you had been in the past. Why do you think it, it is so hard for us to have good public conversations about those things? I, 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 I think it's because the we, that to a certain degree... Um, the the conversations are polarized between uh, the new atheists who have a, who have essentially hijacked the God word and and dropped it on top of a, a of a subset of um, conservative Christian um, creationists and go if you believe in God you are like those um, so that's one poll and the, and in the kind of and the 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 other pole is will, will be people who are who self identify 
as part of one religion, however liberal or however sophisticated. And so for someone who who doesn't have who whose natural access point is not my priest or my you know my pastor or my or my minister or whatever and, and it's not um fundamentalist atheism um where what language and what space do we occupy to have a question and and make mistakes and say you know I think I believe this and I think you know or, or I'm not sure you know, I, I want to believe this, but someone said this, and 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 to and to be to be vulnerable to the difficult questions, and know that they don't actually have to have answers. Um, and is that, and and you're, I think you're absolutely right. It's 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 very hard. It's very hard to sort of to be to open yourself up and say, uh, I believe in in God, and someone go, you know. Uh, uh, what about the massacre in Srebrenica? And you go, I don't know what to say to that. I mean, you know, uh, that, I mean that's at its, its most simplistic level, but it's in a sense that's what it comes down to. Um, and so, what I think we—I mean, my, my view, and one of the, one of the reasons I felt when I was writing the book that I wanted to happen was was that that to create spaces where people can and perhaps. Talk about their lived experience more than, and, and because McCulloch in my in my novel has a young family, and he, you know, he and and lots of things happen, and he has to react to them emotionally. All of that is about the lived experience of of being in the world. Um, and if someone can, if you can have those conversations about characters, almost displace your own thing and kind of go, oh, that happened to him, and he did that, and what did that mean, and. He post-rationalized this and, you know, but he was still did these bad things and all what, then you can at least, you're at least having the conversations about, I mean, I think I once said, you know, the, 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 the problem, the, the fact about fiction is it's, it's both true and not true. <laughs> and that's one of the paradoxes in, in a lot of how we believe things is, is you, have to, you have to be open to those kind of complex, it's A and not A. Um, because because that's that's how difficult these questions are. Yeah. That they are there are two there can be two right answers. I've obviously thought a lot about uh, Christian faith and theology, and have had various points in my life trying to be an atheist, and um, have come round to the fact that there is only one real hard question, and it, and it is this suffering question. That most of the other intellectual objections to religious faith have some pretty convincing um, responses to them, but suffering is the real uh, is the real kicker for a lot of people. Um, and at least part of the answer for me, and the reason I can hold that in my head, is about is about Christ, is about the cross, is about a moment of God entering into suffering, is the co-suffering of God, not as a kind of distant imposer of things, but someone who suffers alongside with us, understands it, but remains um, open to our freedom to make bad choices, essentially. You're, in your book, the God, I, ca- I can't call him or her a figure, the God character, the experience that McCulloch has of God is um, complex, isn't it? At one point, he soils himself after an encounter with God. It's not always benign, or perhaps often not benign. How have you uh, engaged with the character of Jesus, which for a lot of people is the, is the way into this more mysterious um, concept of the divine? Yeah, I mean, I've given this lots of thought, and I don't, I don't know where I am. I mean, it, 
I, I don't want to give anything away, but 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 it it gets a lot worse than soiling himself, um, uh, and and he does approach directly um, Jesus on the cross. Um, so, so where am where 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 am so in a sense what what he says at some po- at one point uh, is is that that Jesus is on the cross for all time and 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 that's in a sense that makes that for some reason that what i i mean i have to say i'm going i'm going, I'm going to ramble because i i it, there is something about about jesus's suffering that that does make sense of 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 our of, of our lives and suffering um i'm it's 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 the other i mean i've, I've often been told that i can i can never be a christian because um i um i i don't believe the tomb was empty um uh because i think actually the central image is christ on the cross uh, or or i will say jesus on the cross um but it, it's it's it but also i i can i can sort of almost agree with some people who think that it's it's a sort of almost a kind of perversion to to meditate on that suffering at the same time um I certainly have a yeah on it. But I, but I, but I, but I, but I, 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 I mean, I'll give. In the end, if I'm anything, I'm if I'm anything, I'm a, I'm a tragic Christian. Um, I think life is essentially tragic, uh, and there is no re- redemption, um, uh, as we c- normally conceive conceive of it. Uh, that, that that doesn't necessarily. I'm not necessarily talking about our relationship with God. I'm talking about our relationship with life, and and that seems to me make that 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 makes sense to me with 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 Christ on the cross. I, don't, I'm not, I know I'm not making any sense, but okay, uh, these things are hard. Yeah, um, but it's important. It, 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 I think it's in, yeah. That's 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 all. That's kind of all I've got. But I do. Th- I mean, I, it's not. It, it's not. It, suffering is not incompatible with god it's 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 compatible with free will and free will is not incompatible with god and once you start allowing for those things it 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 it, it does it's never rational but it doesn't necessarily mean it can't make sense to us i have uh been spotting in a few places the idea of God uh, popping up in certainly recent publishing in a way that I hadn't seen um, over the last, well, 15 years, certainly. Uh, I think it was assumed that the glory days of Dostoevsky uh, had passed. And since then, we'd had Marilyn Robinson. Prior to that, we'd had Graham Greene. But other than that, um, big, serious literary engagement with um, the divine had passed. Do you have... I, I, I am a natural optimist. I have hoped that that might be changing. Uh, do you feel that, or do you think this might just be a lonely road for you? Uh, uh, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I, what I don't, what I don't want is, is uh, I want, I want tough, uh, tough arts that that um, engage with this rather than, and so actually, that's we're not going to have. Um, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm I, I'm sort of not particularly interested in 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 a, in a sort of profusion of 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 
of, of novels and arts about, about God, faith and, and religion unless they are really engaged and tough. Unless they're good, yeah. Um, on the other hand, on the other hand, I, I, there are certainly novels being written by um, by people who who have who have come from a from a, a, a religious background who are not necessarily religious or now, but the, but, but the, I mean, I'm thinking about Sarah Perry particularly, who who who's who's always talks about her direct influences being um, the you know the King James Bible, and that's. Um, and she come, you know, she comes from an evangelical background. Not entirely sure what she believes now, but 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 she she will be she will she will keep the, those conversations going in a slightly different way because she'll be talking about language and her past and whatever. Uh, and so Sarah Perry wrote the Essex Serpent. Yeah, yeah. So so that so that's 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 one thing. But actually, if you're going to if you're going to talk about God and religion and and faith, um, it, it it better be tough. Um, otherwise, it's not going to do any good because you're you're just going to be because the 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 new atheist and I know I kind of hate to bang on about this as as one sort of you know I said to people but but they are tough um, and and they will come after you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you better be tough enough to to, to, to defend yourself yeah. I mean you'll be I mean, not coming after me because I'm making you know no impact whatsoever but if i were to make an impact yeah. they would come after me um and uh and then th- therefore you, you you know yeah you've got to be tough it strikes me as, as something that is an important theme of the work that we do here which is encouraging uh, people of faith out from their kind of their bubbles their their, their places of safety where they can talk in in you know community based language um to engage across these permeable barriers of belief and unbelief to really hear uh, what are the things that other people hold sacred? How could we connect with them better? I'm really intrigued by your work that you do alongside writing novels of, of market research and how um, uh, people's implicit assumptions about things are often different from the things that they might state, the reasons that they might state for holding their beliefs. Do you think there is an opportunity to um, explore those areas and what would be your hunch about what we might find about uh, the different things that people believe well i mean interestingly you know it, uh, i mean the the kind of the, the neuro philosophers all tend to be kind of hardcore atheists but actually the neuroscience it doesn't lead one to i mean in, in a sense that you know what we know about kind of executive function and we we, we know that it's almost no point in asking us to self-report on our own emotions. Behavioural economics has basically said, we're not even going to give you the right... You know, you, we think we're telling the truth, um, but we're not. We're making up a story that's quite easy for us to... We just, we just kind of go, oh, I think I believe this, and you grab it out of air, and it makes sense. It's kind of both... You know, it's kind of rational, and it feels right, but it won't necessarily be what you feel. So, the, you know, so, you know, in terms of... You know, I think it's... The prefrontal cortex is made up of two two bits. One is the emotional side, and one is the kind of exact, executive rational side. And and depending on, you know, and one tends to, you know, we tend to have feelings, and then we tend to try and make sense of them. And the moment we try and make sense of them, um, which we're not very good at doing, um, we we rationalise ourselves. We can rationalise ourselves out of a feeling, yeah. um, but we're still feeling it. We've just the, our descriptions are not very accurate, and so you know with um, I mean you know the the, the, cla- the classic 
um, implicit association tests when it talks about you know how we we um, we uh, self-report on you know gender bias, on race, on all the complex issues shows that we're not very good at and and, and the reason we're not because we we do want mostly want to put our better selves publicly and that's not necessary and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with having biases that come from how we've been brought up our cultural life we are we're going to we are going to be a mess of biases um uh, to know what those biases are, are actually quite useful because you we don't want necessarily want to have them and we can you know we can use our executive function to make sure we don't implement them um but actually to ask people you know to self report is is often to let ourselves get away with um easy answers and not particularly accurate ones so i i think i think both neuroscience and the methodologies that come out in neuroscience i think are going to tell us more about ourselves and the complexity of ourselves than necessarily the the, the neurophilosophers essentially saying you know, neuros neuroscience is going to dispel god well, I don't think it's necessary. It's, I, I don't think neuroscience is going to have anything to say about God ever, but it's going to have something to say about the context-dependent world that we live in. Is means that we can't. Un, we will. We will never quite know what it is we think and feel, um, and any expression of that will be, I think, somehow a reduction. Of the complexities of the self, and and if we can if we can if we can allow people to, as I think we said earlier, to to, to express themselves um, more vulnerably in places where they don't have to post rationalise, then we will have it will be a richer dialogue. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Sacred. We'd really love to know what you think. You can get in touch via Twitter, which is at sacred underscore podcast, or email us at thesacredpodcast at gmail.com. We'd also love to ask a favour. If you're enjoying the series and you think it's important that we have big questions about difference, we'd love to enlist your help to spread the word. Please think about posting a review or rating us on iTunes or any other of your favourite podcast providers. Share on social media and tell your friends. Finally, if you'd like to know more about the work of Theos or come to one of our Central London events, you can connect via our website at theosthinktank.co.uk. Theosthinktank.co.uk